Michael Chertok has been on my bucket list for interviews. And since this is my final interview for Around Cincinnati, I'm delighted to have him with me. He is an extraordinary pianist who also conducts, composes, arranges, teaches, and when permitting, performs all over the world. Welcome, Mike, to Around Cincinnati. Thank you. It's an honor to share this final show with you. I appreciate it. You grew up in Newport, Rhode Island. And what inspired you to come to College Conservatory of Music here? (laughs) My father was in the Navy, so we lived in all sorts of places, including Guam, Washington, D.C., California. And uh, while we were living in Virginia Beach, I attended a music festival in Greensboro, North Carolina, called the Eastern Music Festival, which is a big rival of Brevard Music Festival, where I usually go in the summer. So I have to be very careful how I tell this story. I met Frank Weinstock, who at that time was chair of the piano department at CCM. He was teaching there, and he told me all about Cincinnati, which had loomed most large in my mind for Pete Rose before then. This is back in the early 80s. And I visited on an audition as a senior in high school and immediately loved the conservatory in the city and have pretty much lived here since the mid-1980s and have always enjoyed it, just the beauty of the town itself and what an important place music seems to hold in the life of the city. Well, even before you came to CCM, you'd already made your professional debut with the Arlington Symphony. Now, is that Arlington, Virginia or Arlington, Massachusetts? Um, or Arlington, Texas. It's actually Arlington, Virginia, where the conductor, Andrew Litton, at the time was serving as the Exxon Arts Conductor of the National Symphony. And he eventually became the music director of the Dallas Symphony. And, and I saw him conduct the Cincinnati Symphony several times. And he's a very fine pianist in his own right. And uh, this was the first time I'd ever played the Rachmaninoff Third Concerto uh, with sort of a professional orchestra. And he was an amazing conductor and very encouraging. It seems a long time ago now. Well, what did you do post-CCM? Because you got both a bachelor and a master's degree from CCM. Yes. Halfway through the master's degree, a fellow named Robert Muckenfuss, who had served as the keyboardist and the accompanist for the May Festival Chorus, left to move to, um, I believe, to get a, a doctorate in a musical subject and left his position with the symphony open. And I took the audition for that and uh, played well in the piano part of the audition, a little less well so on the organ part. And so they kind of hired me probationally. This is when Maestro Lopez Cobos was the conductor. That led to many, many other things, including being exposed to the management of Telarc Recording Company, who asked me in the mid-90s to uh, record a series of of CDs on film music. And then that in itself led to getting some attention from Eric Kunzel, who was the conductor of the Pops and also guest conducted many, many other orchestras. And everything kind of came, uh, it was a little bit like dominoes from that first trip to Music Hall downtown to audition for the orchestra for really a part-time position. My main gig, if you will, is I'm the chair of the piano department at the College Conservatory of Music, where we have a wonderful international collection of young pianists. But I try to fit as many other things in as possible. And this COVID sort of halftime, as I call it, has uh, many times I've wondered, golly, how was it possible to keep all the balls in the air? But uh, a musician seldom wants to 
turn down a good opportunity. And there are so many exciting musical things that happen in Cincinnati. And uh, I still don't know every musician in this town. It gives you an idea how much goes on here. Well, along the way, did you have any gigs that weren't classical music? Oh, yeah. Or any stranger gigs that might surprise people who know you from the <laughs> symphony? And I'm thinking of one in particular, but go ahead. Oh, uh, let's see. I can definitely think of a few that probably hardly anybody knows of. One was playing in a rock and roll band as a substitute at a pizza place, uh, sort of a, a pizza pub, grill, bar, and uh, learned how to handle hecklers for the first time, or, or sort of didn't learn how to handle hecklers. <laughs> When I was younger, played for many weddings, and there's always strange stories there and receptions, even stranger stories. What are you thinking of? I was wondering if you played in a piano bar. I did play in some piano bars early on. I remember some in particular. There's a real art to it. There's two things you'd think any pianist can do, and it's really not true. One is playing really effective background music. The other is playing for what's called in ballet class. Not playing for a rehearsal of a ballet, but playing for class is a very special art. And as I got more confident as a pianist, sometimes the person who would hire me would come over and say, we need you to play very quietly during dinner. And I grew to kind of not resent it, but started to think, but no, 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 I want to grab everybody's attention. I want to I want to cover the conversations, and that's not what a good background pianist should do. So you'll find if you scratch a musician, they always have secret stories of what they did to tread water before things kind of built up for them, and it's funny to exchange those stories. Another collaboration that you've had is with Keith Lockhart, who is the conductor for the Boston Pops, and Keith, of course, was an associate conductor here. I was fascinated to see that the Boston Pops commissioned a piece by uh, Todd Macover for you called Je Deux, and it's for hyperpiano. Could you please explain what hyperpiano is? Oh, what a good question. This was back around 2004 or five, I think. Todd Macover is a professor of music at MIT, and I believe one of his former students developed Guitar Hero. And he's always been, uh, Todd, on the cutting edge of technology. And he likes sometimes to involve whole cities or whole communities in his symphonies. And he was commissioned to compose a concerto to be premiered by the Boston Pops with Keith conducting. And uh, I, of course, had known Keith in Cincinnati, and he told me about this project when we were doing a concert together in London. And I met Todd, who actually has a relative who teaches at the UC faculty, and he said he was going to hook the piano together with a computer. This was going to be a Yamaha Mark IV, I believe. It was going to enable me to play a bunch of things, but by pressing certain cues in certain keys... The keyboard itself was going to go crazy and do things beyond the realm of human possibility. It was a very avant-garde composition in some ways. Other parts have been described as sounding uh, a little bit Celtic. There's actually a portion of it that plays, if you have a Google Wall device and you say my name as often as not, this portion of the piece which we nicknamed The Blob will come up, and it's pretty funny to hear it out of context. We did this four times in Boston, then we played it in Portugal. We ended up recording it in the strangest way, and he hired an orchestra in Denmark to record the orchestral part. I recorded the piano part in the main Yamaha studios in Manhattan, and then while listening to the orchestra on headphones, this took many hours, 
Then they played both versions together in the Academy of Arts and Letters and released it as a um, CD. The most fun is looking at some of the reviews because some of the reviewers had done their homework and realized this was a mechanically enhanced piano. A couple of them didn't know that. And so they said things like, wow, it seems to be able to do things that seem almost more than human. And there's runs and licks on this piece that uh, Art Tatum himself couldn't do. You'd have to have 88 fingers on your hands at once. You could. Uh, I wish. I wish. <laughs> now, you are the conductor of the Blue Ash Symphony when it's performing. When did you begin to venture into that area? That was about at the end of the last millennium. In late 1999, Carmen de Leon, who has been the music director of the ballet for over 50 years here in Cincinnati, he had an opportunity to conduct and supervise a production of his ballet, Peter Pan, in London. And this would be in December. So he needed somebody essentially to do all the performances of Nutcracker. He kind of comes from the tradition of the person who is a conductor, but also plays French horn, flugelhorn, jazz drums, is very into jazz. And I think one of the reasons we've gotten along so well is we both love that ideal of the complete musician. And so the fact that I had never lifted a baton ever didn't seem to bother him. He watched me hold it once, corrected my hand position, and then essentially said, give this a try, get to know the piano version very well. And so I did all of those Nutcracker shows for him. It was early in Victoria Morgan's tenure and a lot of fun. This is one of the former productions. And then a couple years later, the Blue Ash Montgomery Symphony was looking for a new conductor and someone who'd played in the ballet orchestra recommended me. And we've been working together, oh goodness, almost about 18 years we just gave a concert, believe it or not, for July 3rd, where we broke the orchestra into, we extracted two teams of 10 or 11 people and recorded them separately in a space where they could socially distance. And we broadcast that concert. And we're in negotiation with the city of Blue Ash right now. Rather than try to do a Labor Day concert, I think we're going to try to do a Veterans Day concert, which maybe we'll be able to do in person, or maybe we'll need to produce for streaming like we did July 3rd. Well, I want to ask you, too, how do you stay focused with performances on hold? And the symphony, I know, is putting together how it's going to configure its season. But how do you stay focused? You may have noticed if you Zoomed with people or you saw people, nearly every male I know who could grew a beard during the first couple of weeks of the shutdown. And I shouldn't say grew a beard. Let's say we allowed our beards to grow. I kind of think of that kind of short period where, where everybody had a beard. It was a bit of confusion, people broken out of their routines. I think I had, like a lot of people, a couple of weeks where I thought, how long is this going to last? Is this going to be two weeks and back, or is this going to be two years and back? Has the world changed forever? And then sort of woke up a couple of weeks later and realized all these things you wanted to do, but have said you can't do because you have no time, your excuse is gone. You must try some of them now. A very elderly Franciscan priest and author in town named Murray Bodo had sent me the text for a mass on the Feast of St. Francis that he had hoped to have music for. So I spent about the first month of the shutdown, or I should say the third through sixth weeks, working many, many hours on this and was able to complete that project, which 
in normal times would have probably taken a couple of years. I have been working with a person who produces podcasts on a follow-up to a podcast I did on Beethoven, which is going to be on Brahms. And I'm also trying to write down to commit to paper the beginnings of perhaps a book on piano repertoire, which is something I've taught at CCM for many years. I will tell you, doing activities on Zoom, particularly lessons, a Zoom lesson is about three hours worth of energy, just concentrating so hard and hearing what the person is doing. And so I think all of us are fascinated and looking forward with confidence, but a little bit of trepidation how we are going to begin the school year, because quite a few of our students will be in their home countries or their home locale. Still quite a few are going to be in Cincinnati and how we're going to handle all of this opening up. Some days it feels like, why can I not get done in the same amount of time what I used to be able to get done before? On the other hand, there have been activities and projects and music I've always wanted to learn that I've been able to do. Got to learn the Concord Sonata of Ives, the whole first volume of the Well-Tempered Clavier, which I didn't think would be possible till retirement. A lot of musicians are falling back on Bach right now. I think that's where you go when things are really troubled. You go to the old master. Well, you have come full circle, heading the department where you were once a student. So that has to be a wonderful feeling of fulfillment, I suppose. And I just want to conclude with one of my very favorite memories of you playing. I mean, you played an astounding Petrushka this past season. It was just amazing. And I know you recorded it with the CSO earlier under Meister Yarvi. But this memory is about the dress rehearsal for the CSO's opening concert when they moved back into Music Hall in 2017. And you were subbing for the piano soloist who was going to be playing the Beethoven Piano Concerto Number no. 1. You were running through some passages, and I tell you that there were moments when you were noodling around, and I thought I heard Chico Marx, and I laughed out loud. So I think that's something I would look forward to hearing you do, too. Oh, wonderful. And I want to tell you how much I have appreciated this show for many years. It's amazing when people kind of turn the spotlight in here on Cincinnati. It makes us feel so appreciated. It helps helps us reach potentially new audiences. Uh, you're a terrific interviewer, and I hope your next projects are really exciting and full of great possibilities for you. Well, thank you so very much. I hope we don't have to wait too long before we can hear you again. You can find out more about Mike Chertok by going to our website, wvxu.org slash around Cincinnati. And I, too, want to thank all of the listeners of WVXU and all of the supporters of Cincinnati Public Radio for making this program possible and for supporting the arts. We have an amazing community here, and I look forward to see what the next iteration will be. I'm Ann Ehrenstein.